Hey, everybody. Jim Kirk here. If you win, do I have to lose? It seems that far too many leaders have adopted this mindset. And it's really a question that I've got, and I can't wait to explore it with my guest today, Simon Haig. Simon's a life coach, consultant, speaker, business advisor. He's even an attorney. He helps leaders unlock their potential and create transformational change. And certainly, Simon's the right guy for me to tackle this question with. Welcome, Simon. Jim, it's great to be here. It's a great honor from Ireland over here in Europe. And it's a great question as well, which I'm sure we'll get into. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't wait. In fact, let's just get right into it, Simon. If you win, do I have to lose? Well, it depends on your perspective of business. So, you know, traditionally, that was very much the perspective of business. It was kill what you eat, and it depended on who you spoke to. But, you know, from, from my perspective, and I often say this, you know, we went to bed in 2019 and we've woken up in 2030. The world has changed, right? It's changed. And of course, you know, we need to, we, we need, you know, business is business, right? It needs to satisfy shareholders. Uh, but I would twit turn that question on the head and say, what do businesses truly need to do to grow, right? Let's not be distracted by the competition. Let's think about growth, right? Uh, because if you're distracted by competition and uh, you know, and other factors, are you really focusing on growth? And for me, you know, yes, traditionally, the, you know, the goal of creating a good deal for both parties was, you know, the traditional legal way of doing it, you know, and it was about bringing the right mindset and the ability to negotiate and, and try and get what you can out of a deal. But when you think about it, I mean, the, 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 the perspective of a business nowadays, the, the brand identity of a business includes all sorts of things right that feed into your growth journey and so if you think you can get away with constantly winning and expecting others to lose be very careful about that because yes. you know when people when people look at your brand identity that yes they're looking at your logo yes they're looking at you know your vision and mission but as importantly in fact more importantly they're looking at qualitative factors like what's the behavior of the people in the business right what's the language that's being used um What's the culture within the business? How do we communicate out into the world? And how do, how do other people see us? And I keep talking, Jim, about this thing called 21st century leadership. I do a lot of work around inclusive, aligned, cohesive business. And for me, it starts from the top. So the biggest challenge for business is to create growth. To create growth, you need to differentiate. To differentiate, you need to innovate. To innovate, you need diversity of thought uh, and diversity of cultures and diversity of behaviors. To activate diversity, you need inclusion. And to manage all this, you need inclusive leadership. And inclusive leadership isn't just about win and lose. I think it's about win-win so, or, or it's about expanding the pie. So, so uh, I, I am, I'm with you. And, and believe me, you're answering every question I've prepared. So, <laughs> and Simon, I knew we would do this because I, yeah. I just, you know, I, I'm so familiar with your work and I, and I just think it's wonderful how you're always uh, helping people understand the bigger picture. But let me, let me suggest this. I mean, it, it, and you've said it in there uh, somewhere, you use the term mindset. It's a mindset thing, right? I mean, yeah. I believe like abundance is the opposite of what we're talking about, the opposite of scarcity, right? Yeah. So abundance, there's enough to go around. You know, there's enough for everyone. And if you come with the scarcity mindset, I think resources are limited and someone gets them first. That means I get left out in the cold. So there's this whole like dynamic that I think definitely 
prevails out there in the leader's mindset. So let me try to shape this into a question. Let's dive into the characteristics of those two very different mindsets. What are some of the key characteristics of abundance versus scarcity? Well, I'll start with I'll, I'll start with abundance. And, you know, I, I often talk about the, the work of Dave Ulrich, the father of modern HR. And, you know, he, he would say that, that the aim of a good leader, a business leader, is to make others look good. Right. Not, don't make yourself look good. Make others look good. So some of the things I would be talking about would be um, how do we how do we go about harnessing uncertainty? We're living, we're constantly living in uncertainty. Like there's no such thing as a, a, a certain day. So, you know, put in place systems to harness that sort of stuff. Um, also, how do we create psychological safety within our teams and also with our customers? How do we empower our business and our customers to build their brand, right? Um, how do we personalize employee experiences? How do we create the right culture? How do we provide guidance around decision-making? So all of these things. And I think that abundance mindset requires courage. It requires courage. It requires awareness. I think, you know, the old form of, you know, the, the, the opposite of that was all really about, it was about, it was always about return on investment, right? It was about return on investment and it was all about metrics and it was about the quantitative stuff. The funny thing is though, Jim, that, you know, I do a lot of work. I, I, I represent, the world's leading brand valuation consultancy brand finance and 70% of what makes up a corporate brand is not the qualitative quantitative stuff it's the qualitative stuff qualitative stuff so it's people's perception of the business yeah. it's it's how we communicate it's all the things we've mentioned so um and so i think yes that traditional world of constant return on investment still exists but i think we need to move to this new world of return on more relationships and and, and I think the main reason why, and I've had this has come up in a couple of conversations this week. The main reason why leaders, not all leaders, are moving to this abundance mindset, I have to say, is because they're so busy, right? It's yeah. not because they don't believe it. It's not because they don't see the benefits. It's they're so busy mm. that they don't have time to stand up and just look over and, and, and sniff the air and realize the opportunities that are over the horizon. So, yeah, I mean, there's an awful lot of stuff going on. Right, right on, you know, and I, and I think, you know, to put it simply, scarcity is about feeling overwhelmed, feeling depressed, feeling paralyzed, okay. right? Because you're, you're, you're paranoid. You're like, oh, well, you know, what do I have to win next, you know? Yeah. yeah. Versus an abundance mindset where it leaves you kind of feeling excited and motivated and ready for action because you realize, like, there is enough to go around. Yeah. And how exciting is this? And, yeah. it, hey, if... if Simon and Jim can connect, we might be able to, you know, knock the ball out of the park together where Absolutely. maybe either one of us may not, maybe wouldn't be able to, but when we combine forces, we both win, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And I, I, I see that in my personal work. It's funny, you know, a few years ago, people would say to me, Simon, why do you collaborate so much? Why do you partner so much? Why don't you keep it all for yourself? There's a couple of reasons for that. The first one well, is three. The first one is it's much more fun. Because you know we, yeah. we we you know we learn from others. We we're constantly learning, right? The second thing is I wrote an article about maybe ten years ago called "Collaborate to Innovate." We can't actually innovate by ourselves. Right. We think we can, right? Uh, and also, I guess the third thing is we all need to grow as leaders. And are you really? And we need to be aligned to grow. We need to align who we are with what we do with what we're trying to sell, right? Because otherwise, the world won't believe in it. Can you really, Jim? I'll ask you a question. 
can you really align yourself? Can you really understand yourself in isolation of others? I don't think you can. No, no absolutely <laughs> right. And, and you know, kind of parlay what you're saying into the whole notion of culture, which you've mentioned a couple of times already in the conversation. And it's one I want to explore with you. I, I think a lot of my brands connected to culture transformation. So uh, it's something that I care very dearly about. And I'm interested in your opinion. But here's the question. Since company culture is sort of a game of follow the leader, a leader's mindset sets the tone for the culture, right? Yeah. So what are some of the things that we might find in a culture that suggests the leaders are looking through it through a scarcity prism? I was expecting what you were going to ask around abundance, but, but okay, let me just flip it on the head. So, yeah. you know, I, th I think the scarcity prism is about, it's about, it's about silos. It's, it's about not recognizing the quietest person in the room. Mm -hmm. It's about not fully allowing the sustainability of trust, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's about not really doing the work to ensure cohesion and alignment and inclusion in the business. And I guess most importantly, I'm just thinking this off through yeah. you know, yeah. observations, it's about a scarcity mindset, a scarcity leadership mindset is about not paying attention. It's not paying attention to what's happening in the business. It's not encouraging participation. It's not building trust. It's not noticing the quietest, who often is the smartest person. So I think that, and, and that's all driven by fear and ego, right? That's yes. that, as you said, it drives, and so that's the opposite of the abundant, uh, inclusive decision-making mindset, which is relationship building, recognition, empathy, building trust, encouraging participation, and and encouraging alignment. That requires leadership courage. I, I, no, I love it. I love it, and I'm with you. I I think it certainly connotes a lack of trust. So. If we're working from a scarcity mindset, it means I don't trust anybody. It's it's take no prisoners. It's, you know, I'm looking for that opportunity to say, I told you so, you know, yeah. if you make the wrong decision. And when I see my clients operate with this, and a lot of them do, I mean, it's a very common mindset. And that's why I kind of want to spend a little bit more time talking about the scarcity side of it, because I think our audience is probably... Uh, going to be able to to really feel what we're talking about if we tackle this from that uh, angle. But when I see clients operate this way, I'll counsel them and I'll say, look, the competition isn't inside these four walls. The competition is outside these four walls. Yeah. Why yeah. are we fighting with each other? Why are we competing and trying to win all the time, you know? Yeah. So what do you think of the notion that scarcity incentivizes uh, us to sort of withhold information, you know, to give ourselves an edge over whoever we, it is we think we're competing with. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's the traditional way of looking at business. And, you know, I, I put it, I'll flip, again, I'll flip it on its head, right? So right now, there's a real problem with how do the younger generations feel empowered and mentored living in this this blended hybrid working world, right? So th there are real challenges around that. And there needs to be the opposite of scarcity mindset, right? You know, we need to we need to find ways of encouraging communication, of encouraging. And it's interesting, this is the first time in history you have five generations in the workplace, okay? And so you're going to have to find a way of moving away from that scarcity mindset. Otherwise, 
you're going to have all sorts of lack of productivity. And then you're going to have problems around employer branding because the word's going to get round, right? The second interesting thing to mention is this whole area of knowledge management. And this really feeds into, scholars, into uh, scarcity mindset. So, and I used to work in this space in Australia. In the West, and you think about some of the traditional American companies like GE and Boeing, where most 85% of the knowledge in organizations in the West is tacit knowledge, invariably in the minds of, of gray-haired men like you and I, right? And when, <laughs> when, and when we retire, it's gone, right? It's gone. Yes. Whereas ironically, in the East, in China, now I'm not saying we're going to change our systems and processing protocols to be like China, but it's the opposite. 80 to 90% of their knowledge is explicit. It's written down. It's owned by the company. So when the senior executives go, it stays in the company. So I guess my question back to you is, which, which, which feeds more into scarcity mindset? Is it the traditional Western way of managing knowledge, which is you know, which is non-explicit or is it the Eastern way? Which one do you think? Well, I, I think it's definitely the fact that uh, we in the West get taught from a very early age that it's all about winning. So if you grow up in that sort of way where you, you're, you're in competition from the time you can walk, <laughs> you know, and parents are encouraging it, in fact, whether they're doing it with kids sports or they're doing it at, at school, you've got to get all A's and you've got to make the honor society and you've got to get a scholarship and all this stuff. It's all about winning. Yeah. It's all about beating others who are part of your group, part of your peer group. Right. And, you know, back to the first question about withholding information it seems to me it's all about parochial interests right if i can hoard information yeah then i can achieve my agenda of quote unquote winning even at the cost of the business and i mean how many times have you seen that with a client right yeah. where, where the leadership is constantly clawing at each other trying to get a little bit more in their budget a little bit more of their project supported and so on at the cost of actually defeating the competition outside of the four walls. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, um, it's, it's, it's it interesting. Cost. <laughs> it, it does. And I think it's interesting because, you know, I've been talking to an academic in Croatia recently, and she's created the center of authentic leadership. And she talks about when we're children, we're authentic. You know, when we're children, we, we, we ask for what we want and we show our emotions. But unfortunately, and with, I'm talking about the West here, and I think this feeds into all aspects of the Western civilization. Sure. But unfortunately, in our teens, 20s, 30s and 40s, we get we, we move from a world of authenticity into a world of expectation. In other words, we're fearful, right? We yes. think, you know, we, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to lose this job or I'm not going to make my returns. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. That's what seems to predominantly feed business and leadership in the West historically. And then when we get to around the age of 50, it seems to be around there, for whatever reason, either we've lost our role or we've had a crisis or we've realized our humanity, right? Mm -hmm. We start going back to that authentic self. We, mm -hmm. we, we, we hanker for that as well. And I guess my question is, what can, and I'm fascinated by this, what can organizations do to, main, to maintain that authenticity all the way through? Because it works when you're a kid and it works when you're older. So yeah. what do we need to do to change that mindset well, in the middle? I, 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 love, I love the question and it's, it, it's so appropriate. You know, I, I feel like, again, so much of Western business is based on a scarcity mindset. 
the abundance mindset is kind of a newer idea. Now, again, it's been talked about for 20 years, but it's still one of those things that we haven't fully embraced yet because we can't get it out of our DNA that I have to win all the time, right? And I think it's like a lifeboat mentality is the thing that leaders have to flush out of their organizations. They've got to identify this and say, look, you can't give the idea of teamwork lip service, right? Because yeah. when you do, I know what you're doing. It's sort of like the TV game show Survivor, you know, like I'm going to play along and we're partners and everybody's, you know, nice, nice. Until I get the opportunity to vote you off the island. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> and when, when that's going on inside a company, guess what you're doing? You're worrying about what's going on inside of the company. You're not worrying about your customer. You're not worrying yeah. about what the competition is doing. You're kind of yeah. inwardly focused. And as a consequence, your business suffers. So I think it's on a leader's shoulders to yeah. identify this and to start to uh, unwind a lot of that stuff that's that's causing it. I agree. And, you know, we, we mentioned Marshall Goldsmith before. You know, he talks about the leaders of tomorrow's leaders. And there's, there's, there's a precursor to what he says. But he says at the end, tomorrow's leaders, and we are tomorrow's leaders today, rely should rely more on collaborators and be facilitators rather than experts. In other words, let's put our ego aside a little bit. Let's be a little bit less arrogant and let's be a little bit more open-minded and willing and honest about some other ways of looking at things. And so I, I, I've come up, I, you know, I talk about the, the six C's of 21st century leadership. And the first one is cognizance, right? Ensure that we all have biases, but ensure your personal biases don't always influence your thinking, right? Sometimes you've got to dislocate your own biases, right? Second thing is curiosity. Engage in respectful questioning to better understand others. As we said before, we, we started recording, we don't innovate in isolation. We can't feel self-aligned in isolation. Um, and so we need to work with others. The number three is cultural intelligence. Seek opportunities to work with different cultures. Number four, collaboration. Assemble teams that are diverse in thinking and focus on respect. Number five, commitment. Treat diversity, inclusion, and open-mindedness as a business priority. And probably most importantly, number six is courage. Seek the yes. contribution of others to yes. overcome your own personal limitations. Yep. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jim, we're all human, right? Doesn't matter how high, high and mighty your role is, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how much money you're getting paid as a C-suite, you're still a human being. And so mm -hmm. don't blind your blindside yourself by your own ego. That's mm -hmm. really important. And it's easier said than done, though, when we need to pay the bills and pay the mortgage. But increasingly, the evidence is suggesting that this new way of leadership, A, gets you more followers and allows you to be more sustainable as a leader. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about the personal toll that a scarcity mindset has on the yeah. individual, right? I mean, it, it holds you back from being accountable and being able to admit you're wrong. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and the six C's, I think, talk to that. Four out of six of those are about really taking personal, you know, responsibility, accountability, and, and trying to drive that into the organizations that we're leading, right? Yeah, and the, the other thing is, you know, I often talk about, um, you know, resilient leadership. Leadership provides a bridge to the future, right? That's the whole point of being a leader. Yes, you've got to manage, you've got to manage the business today, but you have got to magically provide a bridge to the future. And... When you think about it, everything, everything is about communication. Everything we learn, remember, speak here is about communication. And, and so if you're a scarcity-minded leader and you are not 
you are you're, you're withholding you know a lot of information if you're or or from your stakeholders or staff or if you're not fully telling the truth or you're not fully telling the, the whole story and of course you know you, you, as far as corporately possible you're not going to tell your staff everything but if you're withholding stuff that people are whispering about anything anyway right or yeah. if you're in the words of Michael Dell, I used to work for Dell. He said, "Don't perfume the pig, right? Don't make, <laughs> don't pretend bad news is good news. Because if you're going to do that, guaranteed, a vacuum is going to form, and anxiety will result. People are smarter than you as the leader when that happens, and yes. that's what happens. And there's a lot of arrogance and ignorance underpinning that. And you see it with politicians, particularly right sure. now around the yeah. world. Yeah. But uh, but that again, it takes courage and it takes awareness. No, I know, and I and I love the fact that that's one of your six, and it and it really is a critical one, because I think the easy way out is scarcity. The harder way out is abundance, right? Yeah. And you know, think, again, I I don't want to dwell on this, but I feel like we've got to amplify it a little bit. The personal toll that it takes when people are operating from that scarcity mindset. I mean, it kills any kind of chance of any deep and intimate relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it takes a lot of energy to communicate with somebody who's operating from a scarcity mindset, you know? Uh, yeah. You know you're gonna go into a debate with somebody if they're operating from scarcity. So you, exactly. can't, offer an, you can't offer an opinion, you can't offer feedback because you know it's going to create this big argument. So what, you, what do you end up doing? You end Absolutely. up not talking, you end up not communicating. And, and as a consequence, your business suffers. And, and as a result, you end up ironically, eventually running out of deals because, and I've written yes. about this in a couple of my books and there are four main reasons, right? I'm getting back to the more legal transactional side of the question around win or lose. There are four main reasons why people aren't as good at closing deal as, deals as they think. And they're all about really ego-driven or fear-driven. The first one is egocentrism. So most human beings view experiences in a way that flatter them, right? So we, we, we tend to think better of ourselves than often we are, right? The second thing then is confirmation bias. We tend to see what we want to see to confirm yes. what we believe, right? The third thing is satisficing. We tend to settle for something less than we could otherwise have settled for, but that's normally as a result of of not feeling as though we are fully connecting with others, right? Which again is ego and fear. And the fourth one then is, and I hate to say it, it's called self-reinforcing incompetence. Most people are actually, <laughs> most people are unaware of their incompetence. Hold, hold, hold on, you're going to have to explain that one. I love it. <laughs> but tell yeah. us more, Simon, tell us more. Well, well self-reinforcing incompetence. Most people are unaware of really, incompetence is a strong word, but if, if, if you look at a lot of, a lot of these surveys and, and tests and you see stuff on television, right? The, even things like MasterChef, right? And they'll say to a chef, what do you score yourself? Nine times out of, out of 10, the, 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 when you're asked the question, you'll score yourself higher than somebody else will score you, right? And that's a human, that's a general human trait because we are the only ones backing ourselves. At the end of the day, Jim, nobody else, nobody on this planet is going to save any of us, right? And so, of course, we're biased towards ourselves. But I think that's another reason why we need to be very careful about that because it blindsides us. Sure. And um, so that's what I mean by that. And those four reasons why people are ineffective deal closers are quite easily overturned by opening your mind, being a little bit less egotistical, be a little bit more, more abundance mindset thinking. Now, that takes courage. And, and also, you've got to think longer term, right? When you go yes. from scarcity to abundance, 
don't expect the abundance to happen quickly. Right. You know, there's, right. you know, there's a difference between potential and opportunity, and that's a journey. It's not a quick result. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so so let's get to this, and, and we're winding down. We've got about five minutes or so left. I want to ask a couple more questions, but the first one is, you know, what advice do you give a leader who you see is overwhelmingly in this need to have to win everything all the time? Well, a lot of what we just discussed, I would recommend they listen to this kind of conversation. <laughs> uh, I'd also, you know, point them to, to numbers as well. D data speaks, right? So if you look at, if you look at, you know, a lot of the work of, say, brand finance, they've gone into organizations, they've looked at leaders, and they've seen that those leaders who are more authentic, those organizations that are more authentic, there is a direct correlation between authentic leadership and brand value employer branding and also stock market return right mm -hmm. and when you think about it i always talk about the three r's of business success there's revenue at the top there's risk and there's reputation okay mm -hmm. so if you are constantly chasing revenue through ego and fear and scarcity mindset the chances are eventually you're going to take your eye off of revenue a reputation or risk okay yes. so, so that's the first thing to say the second so you're ready thing to, to cut corners to win absolutely absolutely yeah. and, we, and we've seen it so many times and you know, the hardest thing for a leader to do is to balance that triangle, is to balance that triangle, revenue, risk, reputation. But if you have the tools, if you have, you know, some of the things that we've mentioned, and also if you've, I think, you know, we started, you, you started by asking about mindset. You know, a lot of the work that I do is work with my clients on what I call their frequency, right? So I start with looking at what is your mindset, your why, your levels of positivity, how inclusive thinking are you, right? Mm -hmm. Then I go into your leadership growth capabilities. So once you've looked at the mindset growth capabilities, what, what is, how do you communication? What's your level of awareness? How do you influence others? Then I look at your business growth capabilities. What's your intuition? How do you empower others? How mm -hmm. resilient are you? And only then do we look at your brand. How do you resonate out into the world? And, and so it's a journey of frequency to understand your identity uh, and, and how you impact others. That's a process and it doesn't happen overnight, but exactly. I'm telling you the people, some of the clients that I work with say, wow, this is a flipping mindset. I'm going from that scarcity mindset to one of, if I intertwine my true identity with my brand and allow its honest frequency to develop, a following will come. Mm -hmm. But again, it takes time. It takes yes. time. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I, I, the, the simple thing that I do with the folks that I'm coaching a lot of times when I see that they're all about um, having to win is, I often say, you know, is it worth it? You know, what, what, what's your ultimate goal here? Are, are, you, are you going to just leave devastation in your wake as you win? Yeah. <laughs> or are, are you going to try to be the type of leader that pulls people along, that includes people in the conversation, that helps them own part of the yeah. vision and that kind of stuff? Yeah. And, you know, can you help them see how they can be successful helping the organization be successful you know yeah. that that yeah. takes patience it takes thought it has to be deliberate it's not yeah. something that you just wake up and do it i think it's something that you've got to really say i'm going to do this yeah and also and also you need to demonstrate the data that this is not just a a good thing, a virtuous thing, but this is actually really good for business. So it's yes. good for employer branding. It's good for brand value. It's also good for productivity and potentially profitability, but it's up to you to believe it. And so there's all sorts of data from brand finance, from McKinsey's, from, you know, Deloitte's in Australia did a huge survey recently that shows that by 2030, 63% of companies will be soft skill heavy, which is around empathy and communication skills. Mm. You can choose to believe it 
or you can be passed by on the faster lane in the freeway. <laughs> yeah, the travel lane. Um, yeah. Last question, you know, so we've talked a lot about the scarcity mindset and mentality. We talked a lot about how it influences the culture of the organization, how the business is run. Um, what are some of the things we can do to help somebody who's got that that thing with it, you know, their self-talk is saying that, you know, I never get what I want. Uh, someone else always wins. Uh, I can't do it. You know, those are all scarcity mindset examples. How do we help uh, folks sort of flip the script in their minds? You know, I think it's important to, to, to talk them through some good examples of leaders who have taken time out and, and, and either have, have pivoted or demonstrating an, uh, or demonstrate an abundance mindset. And, you know, I, I often talk about there are for me, there's plenty of others, but there are four key traits of effective leaders. And and then I demonstrate what you need to do to try and uh, attain some sort of skill set in these four key traits. And the first one is calmness. Right. If you're not calm in a crisis, if you're not calm in terms of your growth journey, if you're not patient, then um, don't expect others to believe in you. And so don't expect your leadership to be sustainable. The second one, then, is the ability to listen, right, to mm -hmm. truly listen. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, if you're not going to truly listen to everything that's out there, to all the, you know, everything that's coming back to you, don't expect to, to, to take the leap from scarcity to that abundance mindset. The third thing is the importance of being measured. And I mean being measured in two ways. You need to be measured in the way you communicate, uh, but also don't be afraid of being measured. Don't be afraid of feedback. Don't be, don't be afraid of looking at your strengths. Um, and, and, you know, I, I often talk to my clients about looking at various different types of, of surveys to look at their strengths. Um, because if you don't know your strengths, how that, how on earth are you going to yes. be able to cal yeah. calibrate your journey? And then the fourth thing then is you do need to be resilient, right? I mean, yes. you know, life life is like taking a dog for a walk. You know, when you see a dog and it suddenly sniffs a lamppost, it pulls that leash and, and you don't know where you are next. That's life, right? So I think calmness, ability to listen, importance of being measured and resilience, they're the sort of things I focus on with clients sure. to help prove that this, this journey of is a journey from scarcity to abundance yes i I'm, I'm with you 100 percent. you know for me as i counsel some of the folks that i'm coaching i kind of help them get there to recast their their self-talk and i've done a bunch of episodes on that and written a couple articles about it and so on i think it all starts there it's between it's between your ears you know and it is i mean it's about nurturing your strengths which you mentioned it's about accepting your weaknesses which is absolutely critical and then finally you know you've got to believe that you're good enough that 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 who you are is all that's necessary to be able to get from point a to point b then you yeah. don't have to win all the time then you can yeah. recast from scarcity to abundance yeah absolutely it's accepting who you are it's self-acceptance it's self-awareness and it's also not being afraid the essence of growth mindset is pushing yourself. It's it's accepting that you're never going to be always number one. Yes. But as long as you're always trying your best, right? And I think it was Einstein who said, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. I don't know whether he said that, but I think he did. And it's true. It's true. If you <laughs> yes. don't, if you don't change, if you don't change, you're always right. going backwards. Yep. Hey, look, Simon, it was so great to have you here today on the, on the indispensable conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Really insightful. We can carry on the conversation backed on LinkedIn Live. And for now, 
Until next time. Thanks, Simon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.